2: Off with today. Something that Appleton was recently designated. We're bee-friendly. We're tree-friendly we here. Are. We're also age-friendly. What does that mean?
0: Yeah, so uh, Appleton has uh, partnered up with AARP Wisconsin uh, to seek recognition as an age-friendly community. So this is a program that AARP has been running across the country now for many years. And uh, there are a number of state uh, cities in the state of Wisconsin that came ahead of us uh, in this. We're the eighth city and the state to join the program, and uh, what we're really excited about is it's an opportunity for us as a city to more clearly articulate uh, our values when it comes to being a place where people can age well, live well at all stages of life.
2: So so why is that important, and how does it apply to Appleton? Are we doing anything differently?
0: Yeah, so we've got a lot going for us when it comes to being already a, a place where people can live and age well. Uh, you, know, you know, whether you're talking about our uh, just our population of people who are uh, over the age of sixty-five, thirteen percent of our residents are over the age of sixty-five. Uh, housing costs uh, are are relatively low uh, on a comparative basis. Uh, we have low rates of property and violent crime, so these are really good things uh, for us as a community when it comes to being age friendly. And in terms of what it'll mean for us looking forward, uh, what the what the program encourages is. Uh, continued development of walkability, uh, trails, streets, um, accessible infrastructure, maintaining that affordable housing stock, because we know that uh, many people, when, when they reach retirement age, mm-hmm. they go on to a fixed income. Uh, so we have to be conscious of the cost of living in our community and, and do what we can to mitigate those expenses. Uh, we also will be looking at additional transportation options, uh, of course, working with Valley Transit, making sure that we have alternative modes of, of getting around. Um, But then also being a community that celebrates that uh, we're a place where all people can age well and uh, that we really recognize and celebrate our our population uh, over the age of 65, certainly those at retirement age. Uh, There's a lot of talk about we got to attract young families, young professionals, retain uh, people graduating from college. All of these things are true, but I also think it's important as a community that we celebrate the people we have here mm. who've contributed to this community, who've made this place what it is. And that's really what this designation is about, is, is trying to celebrate that and designate ourselves as as a city that's an age-friendly community.
2: So how does this impact those who might not be classified as an older adult, who might not be 65 plus? There's some benefits for everybody
0: here? Yes, absolutely. Uh, the thing is, is if we're taking care of people at every stage of life, uh, no matter no matter who you are or where you are in life, the the having a walkable community, having access to uh, quality public transportation, uh, the kind of programming that that makes our community a vibrant place, whether it's the city band or it's concerts downtown or. Um, uh, other opportunities to gather as a as a community—that's good for everybody. So, this isn't just about uh, people age sixty-five and older. This is this is really going to benefit everybody in the community if we're a more accessible, more walkable place. Uh, that, that's good for everybody at every stage.
2: Well, and I think, too, you, you think of older adults maybe utilizing walkers or canes or wheelchairs. I also think as a parent, uh, strollers, wagons, yeah. um, making sure that sidewalks are wide enough for us to pass people, uh, too, it really does trickle down to everybody.
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh, we're excited to have this designation. Uh, we've been recognized as an age-friendly community, but that doesn't mean that we're done. It's not sort of, okay, here's your designation, your, and now the work your, is over. Here's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so now it really sets in motion a, a set of planning principles for us as a city that, you know, many of which we've had in place for a long time, uh, but it really just means... Now we're more publicly recognizing it and talking about it as a priority.
2: Do we get anything from it other than the designation? Is there any benefit, additional benefit? I,
0: I don't, I, you know, I don't know if the city gets a AARP discount like when <laughs> when somebody joins. <laughs> sure. uh, but but uh, we certainly are are glad to have the recognition from AARP. One of the things we do get is uh, we're now on their list. Um, we're recognized through AARP. So as people are thinking about, you know, where do I want to live, especially the empty nesters who might be thinking about where they want to have the next chapter of their life Mm -hmm. unfold. You know, hopefully they're looking at uh, the information about age-friendly communities and see Appleton on that list. We really are a wonderful place to live.
2: All right. I want to move on to our next topic. Uh, we, you, people might have noticed that the new library, the, the temporary location is open. I actually shared a post on my P- Facebook page yesterday because the transformation that has happened in that old Best Buy building, <laughs> it is amazing. And again, I want to applaud the library team because I know that had to have taken so much work and time. Uh, so let's Let's maybe talk twofold here: the yeah. new space, but also now the the project that's happening at the the former location for the library. What do you have for us? Yeah,
0: for sure. So uh, the building opened up yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, yesterday, and uh, so far so good. Y- you know, going in that space now and seeing what they did with the old Best Buy. A, a huge part of it, honestly, is the the ceiling volume. So a little bit more height, uh, but and and more light. Um, makes a huge difference in, in the in the facility. It looks awesome. The team has done a great job, and I think we'll have a, a really functional facility for the duration of the project, which is great. Um, it, it's a it, it's a warm, welcoming, inviting place, but it's made that way by the people who work there. So uh, they've been awesome. Uh, the move team did a great job, and uh, so they're set up in their new home. So uh, th- they'll be there for the duration of the project, and. Where things stand right now, we just had a presentation at Council last week that kind of ran through all the details, so I'll put a plug in. We we record all of our public meetings at the City of Appleton, so if you're interested in a more lengthy presentation on the library and where we are in the project, you can go online and watch that video. Um, if you need help getting there, you can call my office, and we'll walk you through how to, how to find your way to the links um, to watch the video. But where we stand right now is... Uh, the, the temporary building set up and we're finalizing construction documents where we'll go from there is uh, out to bid. And there will be uh, up to 40 separate bids on all the pieces and components of the library project. Wow. Uh, that'll start in uh, we're, we're aiming for the end of June and uh, construction start is is looking like August at this point original timeline had us in July we're recognizing that uh, supply chains are a challenge we're also we're also fighting cost on the project so uh, as we work our way through that that's taking some time but uh, construction start is is scheduled for August and uh, that'll be about 18 month project so looking like uh, late fall early winter of, of 23
2: 23 all right this is a great place to take a pause uh, so we'll do that Merritt jake jake woodford with us here today uh we're going to talk further coming up after the break about memorial day coming up uh how's nomo may going also in the city yeah. of appleton and imagine fox cities will get some insight from the mayor's offers office as well as we continue with focus fox valley stick with us And once, once again, welcome back to Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. Appleton Mayor Jake Woodford is my guest. We're going to squeeze in a call. Our good friend Richard joining us today. Good morning, Richard.
1: Hi, Mayor Woody. How are you doing?
0: Hey, Richard. It, it would not be a complete segment if, if we didn't have you calling in, so I'm glad to hear can't from you.
1: Kelsey I said that too when I called. <laughs> what, what can I, I do, do for dumb you? I question, not really dumb. How come that parking lot down by the AMC fell in already? Who's that full? The company that did it—the pieces they put together—are they going to fix that for free?
0: Where is this?
1: They put it on down
0: that—the
1: MC part that fell on Oh, oh. A month ago.
0: Yeah. So, so they—they they went through a, a comprehensive engineering review on that to make mm-hmm. sure that they everyone agreed on what the cause was, and uh, they they. All agreed that it was uh, safe to proceed. The city took off the stop work order, and that parking structure is now going back up. So they're well, they're, they're actually done with the, the cranes. It, it looks like, yeah.
1: piece of the park that did it. The pieces that faulty wooden the piece that did it. Do yeah, it, the piece it, the piece deep, that, deep deep that deep deep fell.
0: Piece that. Yes, I understand that they got that all cleaned up and and sorted well, out so that that won't I mean, happen it was again
1: they put a badger where they put that brand new road by Badger. They had a speed bump in it. How oh, that, the speed how bump. How did
0: happen? Well, that's a great question. So that was over, that was Canadian National. Bad they bad. were fixing the, the railroad crossing at Badger Ave over by the Boys and Girls Club. And you're exactly right. It turned out to be kind of a speed bump. And what yep. happens is they, they can do that. They're allowed under the state uh, statutes to do whatever they need to do when they replace a crossing. Unfortunately, they didn't communicate with the city about that beforehand. So they just went ahead and replaced the crossing and and had yep. a big bump in it. So uh, we, we arranged to have a paving crew go out and try and smooth cool. that out a little bit. It, it it was uh, unfortunate but the good news is the crossing is fixed now and and the lights cool. are back working so we have got our quiet zone back
1: that's crucial Hope the library is good shape too, when you get that fixed oh yeah it's okay, coming man.
0: coming along
1: well, I'm, I'm i i can not do any more i got a pacemaker put in yeah
3: oh. yeah
2: well richard we're glad to hear from you richard nice
1: yeah, We're so to glad to you. hear from you. Oh,
2: Kathy's
1: okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> we'll, we'll pass it along.
2: Thanks, Richard. Take care, Richard. Take
0: care, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: <laughs> All right. I want to ask about Memorial Day weekend, of course, yeah. the ceremony on Monday honoring the fallen.
0: Yes. Uh, so Appleton has a long-running Memorial Day parade and ceremony. That'll be on Monday the 30th. Uh, the parade begins at 9 a.m. on the corner of College and Appleton and heads east on College Avenue to Mead, uh, then north uh, Mead to Pacific, then east on Pacific to the entrance of Riverside Cemetery. This is an important moment for us as a community to pause and reflect on the sacrifices of our, our service members. And I'd encourage everybody, whether you're going to come down and, and participate in our event in Appleton or wherever you may be on, on Monday, that you take an opportunity to pause and reflect. Um, We we owe a debt of gratitude to those who've made the ultimate sacrifice for us, and uh, that's what this day is all about. So again, uh, 9 a.m. Corner College Avenue uh, and and Appleton Street uh, on Monday the 30th. Hope to see you there.
2: Absolutely. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about NOMO May, but we're running out of time. So I want to skip ahead because uh, we're welcoming Imagine Fox Cities in our next segment to talk about the results of their well-being survey. And I know that you were attending the presentation last week. Um, It's available online if folks want to watch. But really quickly, you know, any insight from the mayor's office or from the city of Appleton's perspective on what we might be doing moving forward from the results of that survey, which we'll share coming up in the next segment.
0: Well, as a local leader, I really look at it as a gift that we have an organization in the community that's gathering data and trying to better understand life in our communities, Mm -hmm. not just community, not just the city of Appleton, but our surrounding communities, too. and. It really is a gift because uh, the insights that the surveys and the data that they're gathering are going to help with all sorts of decision making uh, as we move forward as a community. You know, we talked earlier about uh, 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 age-friendly community designation. Well, that connects to one of the things that Imagine Fox Cities is discovering through their survey data, which is that – people in different segments of the population are experiencing life in our community in different ways. And so uh, folks who are uh, over the age of 65 in our communities uh, increasingly feel a sense of isolation. They don't feel like there's necessarily a place for them at the same rates as everybody else in the community. So that's, that's one thing. But you know, the survey results are telling us uh, that major concerns in the community continue to be around housing affordability, mental health care access child care, child care access, and belonging. So this idea of feeling like you really belong in a community, uh, that you have a place. And so that's driving all sorts of things for us as a city. When you look at our ARPA allocations and that second phase of ARPA allocations, right. uh, we've we've got money slotted for uh, housing affordability, healthcare, uh, child, uh, mental health care access, child care and affordability, um, social infrastructure, neighborhood development, and belonging. Uh, so the data is helping to to validate that we're, we're headed in the right direction when it comes to working on these issues.
2: All right. Well, we'll have more on the results of that coming up in our next segment. My thanks to you, Mayor Woodford, for joining us here. Great to see you in person, and I'm looking forward to our next conversation.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: All right. We'll take a short break. Your garden bite is coming up. And Imagine Fox Cities will learn more about that data and who is thriving, struggling, or suffering. We'll learn more about that when we come back with more Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley on WHBY. We're keeping things moving here today. And just last week, we learned... That data from a 2021 survey on well-being was shared by Imagine Fox Cities. We previewed this about a month ago to learn more about when that data would be announced. It was announced last week. And over the course of those two days last week, the community, you were invited to learn about the results, but also to learn more about how to interpret that data. We learned some very key things about how people feel about either thriving, struggling, or We're suffering here in our community. And we're lucky to have with us here today John Brogan, who is the CEO of Bank of Kokana, but also a member of the IFC data team, part of that team breaking down that information for us. And John joins us now on our Settlers Bank phone lines. John, good morning. Thanks for making yourself available today.
4: Uh, Thanks for having me on, Haley. Appreciate
2: it. I had the chance to uh, watch the playback of, of the meeting from last week Tuesday, which I'll make sure to link over at our website. But it was really insightful uh, to hear the results of everything. And today, digging into the data a little bit further for our listeners, could you remind us, though, of the survey that was distributed in 2021 and what was asked of our community in that survey?
4: Of course. In, in fact, we actually uh, have conducted two surveys, so right. one in 2019 and one in 2021. And that's important because it gives us kind of a sense of 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 what happened and particularly what happened during during COVID. Um, but the, the questions that were specifically asked centered around primarily the well-being of individuals. So we asked people on a scale of zero to 10, describe, you know, are you living your best life, you know, with with kind of a, a totality of factors, which includes your your health, your mental health, um health. And then we ask the question about about their future well-being. So, where do you kind of stand on this ladder, zero to ten, in the future? And by correlating those two pieces of information—where people say they stand now and where people say they will stand five years from now—we get a pretty good sense of their overall well-being. And that score is measured. So, if you're if you're seven or above in your in your current uh, state and eight or above in your future state, you're considered to be thriving. If you're, I, I believe it's if under four in either of those categories, you're considered suffering. And then in between is, is struggling. So what we're trying to do is is band out our community to get a sense of, okay, who are the people who are suffering, struggling, and thriving?
2: Mm. And what? how many people did we hear from uh, over the course of these two surveys, John?
4: Yeah, both both surveys brought in just under 3,000 results. Um, and we were kind of very diligent about going out and, and trying to get very balanced input from the community. So we worked very hard to get representative samples of our community, both geographically, so trying to get uh, appropriate kind of matching samples of all of the communities that make up the Fox Cities, uh, as well as uh, different different sub-demographics like the you know African-American community, uh, et cetera.
2: And who did you want to make sure was included in this survey? And why is that important to John?
4: Yeah, we, we really wanted to include everyone. We, we, we wanted to get a very, um, as much as we could, a clear snapshot of the community. Where do we stand right now? Who's part of that community and who's feeling excluded? Um, so really, we were, we were trying to match up to the census data uh, as much as we could to, to make sure that we had a, a proportionally representative sample from each of those populations.
2: Interesting. And again, I I think it is really important that you do have that information from 2019 compared to a a somewhat post pandemic world or in the middle of a pandemic world in in 2021. Absolutely. So you're a numbers guy, John, <laughs> with the bank of, of Actually,
4: I'm probably the least numbersy guy of, of all the people on the team, but, uh, <laughs> but I'll, do, I'll do my best.
2: So let's let's dig into the to the numbers a little bit because again, we mentioned this: thriving, struggling, or suffering. Um, so maybe let's start here. What were you able to, I guess, discover about those categories specifically? Who is thriving? Who is suffering? What can you share with us?
4: Yeah. So um, so. People who are thriving. So, so what we were able to do is, is, is get a sense of, of um, you know, the broader groups. And we, we don't necessarily uh, have it broken down by, by very particular subgroups. But generally speaking, people who are thriving, um, if, you, if you are white, you are 1.13 times more likely to be thriving than if you're not in our community. Um, if you're age 55 to 66, you're about 1.11 times more likely to be thriving than the rest of the community. And if you're male, you're about the same 1.11 times more likely to be thriving in the community. And so just at a very high level, those are the people who indicated a a slightly higher kind of level of of thriving than the rest of the community.
2: Interesting. And what was the feedback on that? I know that you had a chance to hear from individuals in our community. You know, were people surprised at that or, or not surprised at all?
4: I mean, I, I don't know that I, I think we were surprised particularly about the about the, the age data. And, mm. and the age data is interesting because it suggests that over time um, that, that actually the, the populations that that uh, suffer indicate kind of the lowest level of well-being are our, our, our younger people. And and over time, um, it's it starts to improve kind of from that zero to 18 demographic up until you get to about 55 to 65. And then after that, uh, you know, things start to come back down. And all of that kind of makes sense in terms of the life cycle of, of people, of, of kind of, you know, growing and maturing, getting to a point of, of maybe emotional and financial stability, um, and then starting to kind of face health issues and, and, and uh, the challenges that, that come with that as you grow older. Um, so, so some of that made sense to us. So we, we saw that some of, those, uh, some of those populations really shifted downward. Um, As the mayor kind of indicated during the last segment, um, some of the older populations that historically would have had a little bit better well-being really suffered because of COVID. A lot of the isolation, I think, really drove people um, drove people down.
2: Mm. So, yeah, John, let's talk about those who are considered uh, suffering on that scale. And, you know, that's an intense, you know, characteristic, I think, to put into it, but it, it, it embraces a reality that so many people are experiencing. So who did we find to be on the opposite end of that spectrum? Who is is suffering in our community?
4: Yeah. Um, so, so particularly people who... Um, uh, particularly people with different sexual orientations or, um, or life choices, basically transgender people are two point, uh, almost two times more likely to suffer um, or struggle than other members of the community. And just broadly speaking, the LGBTQ plus community, about one and a half times more likely to be struggling. Um, and then black and African-American people are about 1.4 times more likely to be struggling than the rest of our, our community. Um, our, you know? I, I think actually, if, if you watch the presentation, uh, Josh Pilges from the United Way uh, said it really well. These are populations that also struggle nationwide. So it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily say that, that we're a particularly bad place, but it does mean that we have opportunities to improve and that we can try to help people move out of that struggling category and into a a thriving category.
2: Mm. And I know that mental health also uh, a really important part of the results of this survey too. Really quickly, John, are you able to give us some insight to what you discovered about mental health here in the area? Yes.
4: In general, mental health uh, uh, really did it it all, every band kind of dropped down uh, by age during, during COVID. Um, Uh, But what you see for the most part is kind of that trend that I talked about a little bit earlier, that mental health over time, um, it improves up into a point and then it kind of declines. So up until that, you know, it it peaks out in that 55 to 66 range and then it starts to come back down. So uh, the, the people who are the people who are experiencing mental health issues largely are the same people who are who are struggling. There's a pretty, pretty tight correlation between those two.
2: All right. Well, where do we go from here? That's the question we're going to ask of John next with Imagine Fox City. So stick with us. We're taking a peek at some of the data. And again, you can watch that entire presentation and see the data for yourself uh, on a, on the Imagine Fox Cities website. We'll make sure to link that for you over at WHBY.com. We'll take a short break and come back with more with Imagine Fox Cities in just a few moments on WHBY. Once again, welcome back. We're checking in with Imagine Fox Cities today. John Brogan, CEO of Bank of Pekana, and a member of the IFC data team joining us on the line here today. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Haley. All right. So now that we, we, we've we learned this data, it's been presented. And again, a, f- a fantastic presentation. I really do encourage our listeners to watch it. It takes about, I don't know, about an hour and a half, would you say, John, to, to kind of hear from our, our leaders and community members? And you can yeah, dig in. Yeah, go, go ahead.
4: Yeah, to, 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 to walk through it, yep. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, and so now that we we've learned and we've established, you know, some areas that are are thriving, some areas that are are, are struggling, or not feeling a sense of belonging, you know, as other groups, uh, where do we go from here? I think that's the next question.
4: Yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of things that we can do, and one of the things that we've done is imagine Fox Cities as kind of an umbrella organization. Is how do we start connecting more effectively effectively to some of these communities? So. We're really looking for leaders in those communities to uh, be part of Imagine Fox Cities and continue to um, create, a, create a communication and feedback loop between the parts of the communities that, that maybe don't feel like they're, like they're uh, thriving as much um, to be able to connect them to, to other people who, who are more established and, and, and make them feel more welcome.
2: We all can play a role in this, and I want to make sure we highlight some opportunities that Imagine Fox Cities is putting out there. Uh, one with the title of influencer, which I'm very intrigued by, John. So, so fill us in. What is the IFC influencer program, but also a liaison role that you have, um, kind of up for our community to take a peek at?
4: Exactly. We're we're looking for people who um, are interested in getting involved, or maybe feel like they want to be more a part of the community or create greater, greater connections. Um, Maybe you're part of one of these groups who has been, has felt disenfranchised um, or maybe you're part of, you know, part of the group that, that feels like, Hey, I'm, I'm really thriving here. How can I, how can I help people and and bring it together? So it's, it's really, you know, imagine Fox cities is a, is a, a a volunteer effort. It's not even a, a, an official, you know, 501c3 organization. It's really just a group of community um, leaders and people who are interested in helping support the community. So really we're looking for people who want to help engage and particularly if you're part of one of these groups who, you know, feels disenfranchised, we really want to wanna talk to you and, and reach out and figure out how do we how do we open up dialogue and conversations among members of the community.
2: And what will the commitment be if someone wants to be part of the influencer or liaison roles with Imagine Fox Cities?
4: It's, it's very flexible. It really is driven by how m- much you want to engage. Awesome. Um, so, so we have people who, who spend a lot of time uh, uh, working working on the project and people who are more intimately involved. But all of that work is really important in terms of driving, driving forward a sense of, of community.
2: Fantastic. Well, John, I appreciate you sharing a little bit more of what Imagine Fox Cities has learned. And I know the work continues. Hopefully, we might have some influencers out there who might be curious to be part of this as well. Where can we send them uh, for more details or to dig into the presentation that was held last week?
4: Yep. So uh, go to ImagineFoxCities.com if you want to uh, have access to the presentation. If you want to dig, you know, if you're a data person and you really want to dig hands-on into the data itself, you can go to ImagineFoxCities.com slash data. And there's actually a little interface that allows people to explore by community, by, um, by various ethnic um, and, and gender um, classes. You can look at who's struggling, who's thriving, um, and there's, there's quite a few uh, slicers there for people to look at. And if you're even more interested and want to become involved, you can, again, go to ImagineStockCities.com, and uh, there's a link that you can then uh, reach out to become one of these influencers, uh, participate in, in, in uh, supporting the, the effort.
2: John, really appreciate you helping us understand more today. Thank you so much for being part of Imagine Fox Cities, and uh, we wish you a great afternoon. Thanks so much.
4: Thanks for having me on, Haley. We really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Again, we are linking all the above over at WHBY.com. You'll find that posted later this afternoon. Stick with us just ahead. We're checking in with United Way Fox Cities and Christina and Domestic Abuse Services in just a moment. Good afternoon. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Focus Fox Valley. Here on WHBY, I'm Haley Tenpass. And with you today on this Tuesday, May 24th, from the Myron Construction Studios. This portion of the show brought to you by Bon Voyage Boutique Travel. We just spoke with Jeff. And they are gearing up to share with you the details on a fabulous Mississippi River cruise that will set sail in March of 2023, book your seat right now and enjoy cruising the Mississippi River. And discovering American Heritage again coming up in March of 2023. There is a webinar though this week. Visit bonboyagebt.com for details. So thrilled you have joined us here today. Really great conversations, and we're going to keep that rolling as we check in with some United Way Fox Cities uh, funded partners here with United Way Fox Cities. We do this once a month. So lucky to get to know different causes and organizations. And today we are diving into a really important one. It's National Foster Care Month. I was surprised to learn, and United Way Fox City shared this with me, that there are 463,000 American children and youth in foster care. But crucial to that, uh, family members, foster parents, their volunteers, mentors, child w- welfare professionals, policymakers, all part of helping them find permanent homes Connections and hopefully success in life and beyond. You know, every child deserves, of course, to grow up in a safe, stable, and and nurturing home. And that's what United Way Fox Cities believes. One of their six annual investments and programs focus on providing parent education, prevention, intervention, and support services to strengthen families and reduce the incidence of child abuse. And neglect. So what do we have here in the area that helps support those missions as well? Well, first we have, and we're so lucky to welcome back to the show, CASA of the Fox Cities. CASA, of course, standing for Court Appointed Special Advocates. And Don Golke joins us, Executive Director. Hi, Dawn. Welcome back to the show.
3: Hi, Haley. Thank you very much for having me here today.
2: And with you here, uh, another Familiar face and voice to WHBY, Pastor Larry Creamer joining us, who helps lead the Outagamy County Citizen Review panel. Pastor Larry, hello.
5: Hello, good to meet, good to be with you today.
2: Thanks for being with us. Yes. And we've got a really important topic today, Foster Care Month, National Foster Care Month. I'm curious to kind of begin with helping our listeners understand how your organizations are connected to the foster care world. i'll I'll start with you, Don.
3: Well, CASA of the Fox Cities advocates for children um, who come to the attention of the courts because they've experienced abuse and neglect. Um, Our actual mission is to advocate within our local courts with community volunteers to achieve placement in safe and permanent homes. And being a part of United Way is a wonderful opportunity for us because it is such an important mission. Uh, You mentioned that there are over 400,000 kids in foster care right now throughout Mm. the United States. If they language in foster care and they don't have support, then they're looking at some very dire statistics. Um, One in five will be homeless by the age of 18. Correction, after the age of 18. Only a half will be employed by the age of 24, and less than a third will ever earn a college degree. So it's our mission to make sure that the kiddos in our community do not become a statistic. Mm. They're much more than that. Um, Pastor Larry, you know I like the lippy kids. Um, (laughs) We have very resilient children in our community, um, and they deserve to be safe. Mm. So...
2: That's so important. And I, I want to turn to Larry because your organization really helping to oversee and ensure that safety is happening. So fill us in on on what the Outagimi County Citizen Review Panel kind of does. And again, that connection to the foster care world, if you could.
5: Okay, sure. Uh, We're kind of on the prevention area of this. We are are a a group of citizens, and and even though people will come in, and Dawn is actually on our citizen review panel (laughs) uh, because we really love having people like Dawn there and people from different agencies. But once we come and sit down as a citizen review panel, we're all just citizens of Outagamie County or people who work in Outagamie County uh, who have a passion to see uh, kids safe and families thrive. And so our citizen review panel, uh, citizen review panels were actually developed or, or created by federal legislation uh, that uh, is meant to oversee and make sure uh, all of these agencies and systems are working well. And And our, our major goal is to look at the, the child protective area, uh, both on the state level and the county level. And Wisconsin, uh, basically, for Mostly, if for all practical purposes, except for Milwaukee County, uh, all we are a county-run system. So all of our citizen review panels there are about eight of them in the area, uh, in the state. They are um, they're they're focused on each county uh, where we are. So we we, we focus our attention on Outagamie County. And uh, we'll do things like uh, uh, case studies and we'll look at uh, what are the, we try to look at what are the causes, why are the kids uh, and families being put in a position where uh, things are not safe. And so we're, we try to uh, at least bring those things to attention. And Don and talked about people uh, languishing in out-of-home care for a long time. And, for example, one of the things that we've had the opportunity to do is to get things started. I like, I like to tell people what I like to do, what the Citizen Review Panel likes to do. We like just to kick a snowball down the hill and watch it watch it roll. <laughs> and and uh, so we, we get things happening. And one of the things is we're, we're giving some attention in Outagamie County uh, to uh, the courts and seeing how things can move through the courts in a better way Uh, so children do not have to spend more time than than necessary in that out-of-home care.
2: Well, we can't ignore the fact that the last two years have been beyond challenging. I think everyone's heard that phrase. Uh, We've all pivoted, we've all changed, and we've all seen increasing needs for services in various areas, mental health, of course. What has the foster care system seen? And maybe what are the challenges that you've seen, Pastor Larry, uh, in the past two years from the Citizen Review Panel stance?
5: Well, unfortunately, foster the need for foster care has just exploded over the last several years. Uh, For uh, uh, several years, it seemed to be rather steady, and then about four or five years ago, it just there was just a steep increase that has not stopped. And so, and and today, there's a lot of emphasis given on trying to prevent that and, and let me make one thing very clear the last thing that a social worker wants to do is take a child out of a home they try they go to heroic efforts but unfortunately there are times where in order to keep kids safe and to help families thrive that is necessary and it has to be absolutely necessary before it even happens there's there's actually uh, two areas you've mentioned the pandemic before but there's actually two areas that are that come up all the time one is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is a area that has been identified through uh, everyone that we've talked to, from the highest levels here in Outagamie County uh, to people on the street, <laughs> and and if that is just contributing to to these families struggling out there, another is uh, drug abuse. Uh, the drug abuse uh, area is has been one that is that is one of the major efforts, and obviously it uh, creates a very dangerous situation there and so these are areas again that that we want people to be aware of and help us uh, in the community uh, and and come up with solutions in the community.
2: So when you hear about those 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 stresses and those two things you mentioned affordable housing drug use are you then with your council reaching out to the appropriate organizations who are kind of boots on the ground with those with those situations and things?
5: Well that's exactly what we try to do we try to identify the needs and identify the gaps that are out there and then again, that's the, the great thing about having a citizen review panel because we have people who are networking uh, everywhere, and uh, we can do things like maybe even contact uh, people in the, in the legislature. Uh, or uh, or just advocate for different things that need to take place, or encourage different people uh, with that. And so that's that's where that's where we are. That's that we 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 don't really do that work. That's not what we're there for. We're there to identify those things and bring them to the forefront. And 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 you're providing us with a wonderful service today because uh, what part of our responsibility is to inform the community and then get feedback from the community about these things so we can help the the uh, agencies do their job better.
2: And I'm glad to be learning too. You mentioned advocacy. That's what CASA does really, really well. We're going to take a short break and we'll come back to learning more about, again, National Foster Care Month, how CASA is part of that and Oh, United Way Fox Cities is helping to fund these incredible initiatives as well in our community that are helping so many families. And if you've noticed those those signs at the intersections too, uh, foster parents needed. Uh, Pastor Larry sharing, it is indeed, indeed true. We'll talk more with both Don and Pastor Larry in just a moment. <laughs> We're digging into National Foster Care Month talking with two organizations supported by United Way Fox Cities. Joining us from Casa of the Fox Cities is Don Golke, Executive Director. And Pastor Larry Creamer is here as well. Pastor Larry, helping to lead the Outagami County Citizen Review Panel. Both of these organizations with very close connections to the foster care world. And I will turn to you now, Don, because in your title, Court Appointed Special Advocates, advocacy is what you do, being a voice for those kids. In the courtroom, some of those children possibly going through the foster care system. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us a little bit about, about that world and, and how United Way Fox Cities also kind of makes it possible? You're a newly uh, new partner with United Way Fox Cities.
3: Yes, we are. Um, we are the boots on the ground. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times in Wisconsin, and we're very fortunate to work with in Wisconsin because we have attorney GALs who represent every child who's going through the child welfare system. But if you talk to them, you'll find out that some of them have 200 up to 300 cases that they oversee. And there's just not enough time to service those kiddos and give them the assistance they need. So a judge will appoint a court-appointed special advocate to the case. And what that means is we take community volunteers that have no background in child welfare. They go in and they learn about the child, their family, what's going on, what's that situation look like, and then they engage with the child on a regular basis. They really learn about them. They identify any services that they need. They make recommendations to the court, so everyone's on the same page, and then they collaborate with partners to make sure that those services are implemented for the best interests of the child. And we cannot do this without United Way of Fox Cities. Mm. Um, We really need their support. And if I look at where we are right now, especially with how um, the system's been seeing more cases, right now we have 68 kids on our waiting list. And we need more advocates desperately. Mm. So, if there's anyone listening out there who has a heart and a passion for kids, um, willing to be trained, (laughs) we will will assist you with that. We actually have some informational sessions coming up. Please plug them. This week. All right. Plug them. May 25th from 6 to 7 p.m., June 1st from 12 to 1 p.m and June 2nd from 6 to 7. So all they need to do is contact Leah at casafc.org. I want to ask,
2: when it comes to the foster care world, is an advocate there, you know, when they're talking with a kiddo, and if a kiddo's saying, you know, I'm not really feeling comfortable in this home, or if they raise concerns, or maybe if they're loving the foster care home, is the advocate there to hear those concerns or those, or those
3: praises and to communicate those to the court?
2: Absolutely.
3: And you hit on one thing, too. A lot of people think that because our families are in the child welfare system, their families are bad our families are not bad. They just sometimes need a little additional support. In fact, most of the cases that come through are cases of neglect, and they stem from mental health, substance use disorders. So it's finding mm. the right resources for the family. And is a neutral party, so we'll come in there and we will reinforce family strengths so that the court knows everything that's going well. And if something's not going well, like for example, um, being involved in the child welfare system can be very traumatic for a child. Trauma doesn't really play well within our school system, so a lot of CASA advocates will make sure that the kiddos are on behavioral intervention plans, have IEP programs, to help provide them the support they need so they can be successful. In fact, um, one of the ways, one of the reasons we love United Way is because they recognize us, and they know that our kiddos, about 96% of our kiddos that have a CASA advocate will either maintain or improve their educational rating throughout Mm. the year. Wow, 68 kids on that waiting list? 68 kids. We have classes starting in the end of June. Wow,
2: and I'm here, seeing, and we're running out of time. But so many ways that your organizations truly do weave, and like you mm-hmm. mentioned, Larry, you know the the end goal here is reunification, mm-hmm. bringing these families exactly. back yeah. together, and all of this part of that par- process. And we're thankful to United Way for believing in this, these missions mm-hmm. as well. We are out of time. I wish we weren't, but we are. <laughs> Thank you so much to the both of you for being here. Where can we learn more about your organizations, too? By the way, Pastor Larry, I'll start with you.
5: Uh, uh, f- look us up on our, our Facebook page. That's the best place to. To, to find us. So just citizen V panel out of Gamby County and uh, and we'll and, and send us a message, we'll answer your questions.
2: Excellent. And for Casa?
3: CASAFC.org. dot org. We also have Facebook, Instagram, you can find us on LinkedIn. Just Google Casas of Fox it. Cities. You'll find <laughs> us.
2: <laughs> and of course, we'll link you over at WHBY.com. Uh, Don and Larry, thank you very much for being thank here. Thank you so much. Thank you, Haley. All right. We're going to take a break, and we're going to get a first alert forecast update. Then we're going to talk with Christine Ann, Domestic Abuse Services, another really important conversation heading your way. Such a big show today. But our question coming up, why don't they just leave? We'll talk more with Christine Ann about why that is so much more complex than you think. Your first alert forecast coming up next right here on WHBY. Welcome back to Focus Fox Valley. Also wanting to mention a congratulations to Bob and Seymour who won our Brewers tickets earlier today. We do have more chances for you to win all week long here on focus fox valley so keep on listening to whb while you're home for brewers coverage all right right now we are welcoming as we do once a month christine and domestic abuse services but kind of on a theme here today of welcoming people back to the studio after a long time alicia garrick joins me here in studio hi alicia
6: Hi, Haley. Thank you for having me.
2: I'm so, it's, it was so good to see you. Big hugs. So great to see you.
6: Yes, absolutely.
2: We have a really important topic here today, but first, let's remind our listeners, of course, of the work and the mission of Christine Ann.
6: Yeah, so Christine Ann Domestic Abuse Services uh, helps all individuals and families that are impacted by domestic abuse. Uh, Our primary service area is Winnebago County and Green Lake Counties. We offer a a 24-7 emergency shelter, legal assistance, empowerment assistance, and youth assistance as well.
2: All right. So today's, today's topic, a really important one. And I think uh, all of us might have at one point thought this about a relationship we've seen, be it one on television, be it one in Hollywood, be it one in our personal lives. And I think it's easy to assume that someone can just leave a relationship when things aren't going well. But as you always share with us, things are a lot more complex, more nuanced than that. So we're going to dive into that phrase. Why don't they just leave? How often in your work do you encounter this phrase, Alicia?
6: Um, I probably encounter it more often than some of my coworkers just because of my role in the agency is to go out and educate the community. Right. And so um, I do get a lot of questions from maybe close friends or family members who are watching it firsthand and don't fully understand uh, what that individual is going through and the complexities of domestic abuse. And so um, I get that question a lot of like, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just get out? Um, But it really is a lot more complicated than that. Mm. And... um, And what I'll kind of talk about today is the cycle of violence because uh, any relationship, no matter what sort of relationship you're in, starts out in that honeymoon phase or also known as the calm phase where you're just getting to know someone, you're figuring out their likes, their dislikes. Um, And then, you know, with any relationship, no matter what type of relationship it is, whether it's a dating or friendship, um, there's conflict, right? Tension happens where things come up and someone maybe gets upset or their feelings get hurt it's truly how you handle that conflict is what differentiates a healthy relationship and an abusive relationship and so um, in a healthy relationship the focus is on the problem itself you typically will utilize your problem-solving skills together to come to a mutual conclusion um, and figure out how to solve that problem together In an abusive or very unhealthy relationship, the focus is on the person rather than the problem. Mm. And so, um, what often happens here is there's a lot of blame. You know, this is your fault that this is happening. And what typically happens is, in that tension phase, then right after that comes an act of violence or act of abuse. So that could be emotional abuse, that could be financial abuse, physical abuse—you name it. Um, any sort of tactic that we've talked about previously involving the power and control wheel can be used in this in this section here of the cycle. And then what happens is, right after that act of abuse, no matter what kind it is typically comes at honeymoon phase again, where there's a lot of apologies, there might be gifts, um, tears, promises to change. And so, um, you know, you want to believe that that's a one-time thing and that it's never going to happen again. However, um, that cycle then may continue. And so the longer someone is in this sort of relationship, um the quicker they'll travel through this cycle mm. and sometimes the honeymoon phase will get shorter and shorter or sometimes just disappear altogether
2: well and i think it would be easy to in the in the position of 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 a victim To hope and want and Mm -hmm. think that, well, maybe this next time it it won't happen like it has in the past. You encounter that a lot. Yep.
6: And there are three big things that we say keep someone kind of traveling throughout this cycle. And that's love. You know, this could be a family member. This could be someone that you've been married to for 30 plus years, whatever that scenario may be. So, you know, you have love for this person. Um, It wasn't always like this. And um, you may have hope that when they say, I'm never going to treat you like this again, I promise I'm going to change. I promise I'm going to make these changes for our relationship. You hope that they're going to stick to their word. Um, And then fear of fear of the unknown. What's going to happen to me if I leave? Because leaving is the most dangerous time in an abusive relationship. Um, And so fear of am i going to be able to support myself on my own um there might be children involved so fear mm-hmm. for their safety so there's a lot of different dynamics and elements that kind of go into that why don't they just leave
2: yeah. comment and why do you think people assume that it's easy to leave and we've gone through this this cycle i'm really glad you went through this with us but why do you think the community i think all of us maybe at some point have maybe thought this you know why do we why do we think this that it's easy for someone to 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 get out to get out
6: yeah. Well, I mean, looking at it from an outside perspective of not really knowing the dynamics and kind of what's going on in that relationship, the easiest thing for people to think is like, just get out, just right? Leave. Just Just yeah. leave. Just get out of that situation. Um, but you don't know if that person has been threatened. You don't know if that person has um, – if that person abusive person has said, like, if you leave this relationship, I'm going to hurt myself. Um, There's a lot of things that kind of keep somebody living in that abusive relationship. And so um, the why don't you just leave is really difficult. And also fear of, you know, societal backlash Mm. of what's what is my friends and family going to think, especially if they don't know that the abuse is happening. Um, what are they gonna think if I leave that relationship? Are they gonna blame me? So there's a lot of lot of things that kind of go into, the why don't they just leave and how it is so much more complex than it sounds.
2: We never truly know the path that someone is walking. Yes. Um, a great reminder of that. As we talk with Alicia Gehrig from Christine Ann Domestic Abuse Services, we need to take a short break, but when we come back, you might be surprised to learn that a lot of the clients that you work with might still be in these situations uh, of, of violence or abuse. So we'll talk with uh, Alicia more about how they work with these survivors and again, more of the work done at Christine Ann domestic abuse services. So stick with us. More to come right here on WHBY. Once again, welcome back. We're talking with Christine, Domestic Abuse Services here today. Alicia Gehrig joins us, Development Manager with Christine Ann, and we're talking that phrase, "Why don't they just leave?" And in some cases, survivors aren't leaving. They are they are staying and trying to maybe work through. And you're there to support decisions that these individuals are making, these clients of yours are making. So let's talk about that and what that dynamic is to work with someone who is still living with their abuser.
6: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a lot of people recognize our organization as the shelter, right? With the house and our logo and everything like that. And um, our shelter services are a necessary and important service that we provide. However, um, we do serve a ton of individuals on an outreach basis with our empowerment services. So um, that dynamic looks very different. That could be someone who did once stay in shelter and say they transitioned into their own housing and they still wanted to get that emotional support, so they would transfer over to our empowerment team to still work with an advocate, but in a different, like, different needs at that time. Um, we also work with, with individuals who are still living in their abusive um, relationship and are not ready to leave. Um, but they are meeting with an advocate and really getting that emotional support and um, and what our advocates are doing too is a lot of domestic abuse education, because um, a lot of people don't realize that some of the different things that they're experiencing is in fact abuse. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is really just helping educate those individuals on, you know, what to, that some of the things they are experiencing is not okay and it's not not healthy, and um, and that they deserve better than that. And so a lot of that is kind of building that person back up. Um, empowering them to find their voice and 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 kind of reclaim their their life back. And so um, we're with them at every stage and at any stage that that person is in. Um, we're not here to to rush them by any means and say, this is what you need to do, but in fact, meet them where they are and provide the services that they need at that time. So um, but again, like I mentioned before, It may not be the safest option to leave at that moment. And so what our advocates are doing is safety planning with that person, making sure that they have the necessary tools um, that if they get into a situation that is, in fact, dangerous, that they have the tools and resources to know what to do to get themselves out of that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's always the what, fight, flight, or freeze when something kind of chaotic or a crisis is happening. So that safety plan is to try and help train your mind on, like, what are some tangible things I can do to help me in this moment?
2: And when it does click for someone that, oh, my goodness, I am ready to leave. I feel supported. I have a plan in place. What is it like to maybe witness that that click, that that switch? That light bulb moment?
6: Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's always really kind of a a rewarding experience for an advocate to watch somebody kind of find their voice Mm -hmm. right and strength yeah yeah and watch that strength grow as you're working with them um and so it's a really incredible experience and and no matter where they are we're not here to judge them we're here to provide that support that they very much need at that at that moment so um our advocates are are wonderful people, and they are not there to judge you by any means. We're here to help.
2: Mm. Such insightful and really helpful information today, Alicia. And again, a reminder for all of us, you don't know someone's story. You don't know the path that they are walking. And I want to, before we take a break take a break here, um, get the information out of how to contact Christina. I know you have a number that's 24-7. Uh, so how do we get in touch with Christine? Christina?
6: Yep. Our 24-7 helpline is 920 uh, 235 5998 we have a lot of great resources on our website as well which is Ann.net. and then you can also find our information on social media on facebook instagram and tiktok
2: good to see you alicia thank you for being here good today good to see you too all right we'll link Ann over at whby.com and we'll take a short pause i'll let you know what's coming up on your wednesday on whby